Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 103 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson here with Kurt Mortensen. Another week of power-packed persuasion techniques for you today on law of expectations and a really couple interesting studies that are going to help you persuade more effectively there. We're going to really uh, hit politicians on articles coming up. It's just too easy. Low-hanging fruit. <laughs> and then a blizzard, Fish in a too. barrel, man. Fish in a barrel. <laughs> Fish in a barrel. They make it so easy. We're getting some feedback from last week. The ninja, or not the ninja, sorry, the homer of the century, that congressman from Michigan who was just terrible at the law of contrast. Have you marinated on that one a little bit more? Do you now agree with me as to how terrible that was? I'm up there, at least top five. I guess I haven't heard any falls. Anything else in the news about that, or has it just kind of gone away? I haven't really been checking. If Hey, if it went away, maybe the guy is a ninja. <laughs> Maybe it did exactly he what lost he lost his reputation and his family and his wife political career. But other than that, it, hey, it went away. Yeah, it's all gone away. <laughs> there we go. That's called scorched earth PR is what That's that is. Right. Yeah, just uh, start over. Go be a painter in Tennessee because yeah. your days as a congressman in Michigan are over, I think. Done and done. Done and done. So what's been going on? You've been uh, going to, to to Dubai, or what's on tap for travel? And see, uh, travel. I'm in uh, Dallas this week, actually. So if you're in Dallas, come say hi. Doing a three day there. A uh, little concerned though, because school's starting. Had to take a boating run early this morning with my kids because school's coming up, and it's August, and I felt a fall chill in the air, which is a little concerning because you don't want that for at least another month or two. There was a little chill in the air, not sure what that meant, but got the lake therapy in. Not sure how I feel about school starting, going to Dallas to sweat to death. Other than that, I think I'm feeling pretty good. That's going to be hot in Dallas. You know, you can yeah. fry an egg on the hood of your car in, in June, July, August down there many times. You can tell here when fall is really coming, when you look up at the foothills and you start seeing a little bit of orange in those trees. I don't think we're quite there yet, though, yeah. and I know Dallas is going to be hot, but I, we, with our Vegas friends, we can't say, well, it's a dry heat. You know, it's just hot and yeah. humid. And <laughs> Yeah, it's terrible. Well, I've my poor sister to... was driving home from, well, she lives in San Diego. Her air conditioner broke. She's with her two young kids. And you've been seeing in the news, San Bernardino, Death Valley, Vegas. It's been well into the hundreds for last week. And so she made that gauntlet with a couple of water bottles and the windows down. And luckily, they're alive. Man, that will parch you and cook you. <laughs> yeah. If you had one of those turkey things that pop up, I'm sure it popped up about halfway through Baker or Bakersfield. <laughs> Baker, it's not so nice part of California, for those who don't know. It's just hot and desert, and I don't think you can find any green unless it's a cactus. <laughs> I don't even think the cactus is <laughs> I think the cactus moved out, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a hot, hot, terrible, terrible drive going through Death Valley in the summer, if you're familiar with that drive. So... Yeah, it's been hot around here, too, but we're going to be headed into fall. College football coming. You're going to have Your to hear me favorite. rant about that soon. So yeah, buckle up. Buckle up. All buckle right. Up. Today, another geeky article moment. Cue the Urkel, please. 
Urkel, go! <laughs> nice voice cracking. That's a new touch that Kurt has added. Like we didn't that. even talk about it. <laughs> Crackle on demand. Yeah, way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt, Kurt recently hit puberty, everybody. That's right. My third phase of puberty. Yeah, your, your third phase. <laughs> your, one of your radio hosts is 13 years old. There so you we, we may act like it, and now we sound like it. So he's got an article, and this one won't surprise you. I think this is kind of along the height of politician. This one coming from the the Journal of Middle Eastern Political Studies? Something like that. Close. Actually, I was kind of disappointed because I went to look to see what journal was in it. It says, to be announced, which was disappointing. Oh, so I can't man. help you with there. Bummer. But I can say it is from Duke University. And I was just on the radio, I it was last week, the debates and they were asking about charisma and substance versus style. And it all comes back to those subconscious triggers. We can call it the reptilian brain, the amygdala, the subconscious mind, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. The studies show that deep voices get more votes. And some of our listeners say, well, that's not fair. I'm like, well, hello, wake up. It's all about that judgment call, that feeling, that subconscious trigger. Doesn't matter if it's fair or not. It's reality. They're judging you. We're judging politicians. And this is the second research they've done. They blame our caveman instincts, and the results are consistent. That deeper voices convey greater physical strength, more competence, and get this, more integrity. And that's true for female candidates. So if you want a deeper voice, we're saying you need to smoke more, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're kidding on that one. We want you to be healthy, but that's what the studies are showing. So female candidates, a deeper voice is still better. It is. And I think you could cross the line if a female candidate sounded like a man. I think that would be a little too much. And But they keep thinking, well, why is this the case? And and this is what they found, which is interesting, that men and women with lower-pitched voices generally have higher testosterone and are physically stronger and more aggressive. And mm-hmm. with that, they say deeper voices are considered intrinsically more competent with that integrity they did a couple different says i urge you to vote for me this november with the deeper voices the regular voices they manipulated it and they went back and forth and bottom line the deeper voice candidates won the range was 60 to 76 percent of the times when they did this and you know who would you vote for would you vote for them they didn't know much about them subconscious trigger amygdala subconscious mind Mm -hmm. reptilian brain again whatever you want to call it Bottom line, multiple studies, this recent one done by Duke University in the Journal of Super Deep Voices, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) they uh, found it again. We don't talk about what's fair. We're not politically correct. We deal with reality. This is how our brain works. So we've now offended Caitlyn Jenner. (laughs) Caitlyn Jenner can't run for office. (laughs) Can't run for office. You got to look at your voice. And if you look at the current politicians, shrill, high-pitched, some voices just subconsciously rub you the wrong way, even consciously rub you the wrong way sometimes, and that's just reality. Yeah. I don't know if we've talked about this, and it's probably everybody's tired of hearing about it. We're talking about politicians. Maybe we're getting a little bit off track here, but I just think it's so amazing. It's such a, a constant study in perception and marketing and things. What do you think about Trump? Trump. Now, I actually had that question on the radio because of the debate, and everyone's upset because he wouldn't make it, wouldn't make it, and he keeps climbing in the polls, and they asked, was he going to climb in the polls? I said, he'll climb again, and I told him Ben Carson's going to climb, and uh, Rubio's going to climb, just based on the, not the substance, but the style, 
And what he has going for him, and this is going to level out a little bit over the next upcoming months or, or even years, because we're way out. So it's interesting how fast we're starting this time. When we talk about the law of connectivity, there's that familiarity thing. We like people that we've seen before, that we know before. And we feel like we know Trump because we've seen him on TV. We've seen him around. He's awesome at branding. And so I think just that we're familiar with them, we know who he is, we've seen him on TV, is one of the reasons why he's up there in the polls. And the mm -hmm. other thing, too, is he's not lying. We appreciate yeah. that he's not lying. Everyone else is lying and saying different things. Again, we don't know if they're lying, but we have that perception. Finally, we have someone that doesn't matter what he says. He can pay for his own campaign. He's successful. We know he's not lying. He's got that going for him. Plus, he's got the familiarity factor where we vote for people that are like people that are familiar that we seem similar to us. In fact, they did this with a local political campaign. The person with the most signs usually wins within a party. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we don't vote for them because we've, oh, hey, I've seen more signs. It's just they seem more familiar to us, yes. more similar to us. And we vote for them. And I think Trump right now has got that going for him until we get to know the other candidates a little bit better. Right, right. That's very interesting, like you said about Trump, because we're so tired, we're so fatigued of the strategized and the planned out answers that are supposed to look like they just thought it up. But we know that 30 different think tanks squeezed that out and they crammed it into the candidate's head for the debate, right? Exactly. And somebody, even though you may not agree or maybe you do but just somebody saying what they think and they don't care they don't care what other people think of them it is so refreshing to people that's probably why he's at the top of the polls but we're going to see how much gas there is in that tank he's got the speed right now but it will even out over time as we get to know some of the other candidates yeah yeah it's it's been very interesting i've enjoyed watching it you don't see it a lot but the media the media questions most politicians most politicians go into the tap dance the the DC two-step, right? He just gets mad at these people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what's fascinating to yeah. me is this before the debate, they were saying, we want to focus on the other candidates. And they come right out of the chute slamming Trump. They knew he was going to raise his hand, right? Oh, yeah. Right? And they talked about if he would go to a third-party type thing. And so that was really interesting to me. They're like, well, we're just going to downplay him. And then right out of the chute, they gave him all the attention, which I thought was odd because they said that wasn't their plan. But – if their job is to get media points or their job is to get viewership, they did pretty well because I think that was the most watched debate ever. Well, obviously, yeah, because if you watched it, there wasn't a whole lot of substance being talked about. How but, can you with 10 people? Oh, yeah. What Fox News wanted was ratings. Mission they accomplished. It. They right. got rated out the wazoo. It was crazy. And the way it was structured was just meant to get people to watch. And I got to admit, I was watching and my jaw was on the floor. And uh, <laughs> we have our geeky podcast. And so maybe we're more susceptible to that stuff. But I think a lot of our listeners are, are probably geeks like us. Wouldn't be the first time I insulted them, although maybe they don't take that as an insult. If they're still listening, <laughs> they have pretty thick skins. They've been insulted already and they're still listening. Yeah. What are you people doing? I, I can't <laughs> believe you keep coming back for us to insult you more. This is that the worst podcast there was, ever, right? Back in the 900 days, you know, the 900 <laughs> numbers, there was a dial an insult and you paid two bucks to get insulted and it did really well. It made millions <laughs> of dollars. So maybe that's why people are coming. They just missed the 900 line and they come here for the insult. Can you speak to this? This is an urban myth, I think. I've heard, and I, it's either in San Francisco or Chicago, where there's a restaurant where the servers are deliberately rude to you. Have you heard of this? Oh, yeah, I've been there. It's in Chicago. I the name of Scapey's listeners are going to have to email me from Chicago, but yo, yeah, very insulting, very condescending. 
They'll tell you you need to order quicker. Are you stupid? And that's just pure insult from the moment you walk in the door. And I guess in Chicago, they like that sort of thing. I thought a bit more in New York, but hey, this is a Chicago restaurant. There's more than one. The name escapes me, but yeah, they do very, very well. And everyone likes to take you there because when I visit Chicago, that's one of the favorite places for people to take so I can be insulted. <laughs> Maybe they're <laughs> listeners. <laughs> it's my turn. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, hey, you know that most waiters want to say that stuff to you anyway. So that's let's just right. get it out in the open. I'm sure the people they hire are waiters that have been in the business for a while, just ready to let it out. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's the last stop for many waiters in their waiter career. That's right. Right. <laughs> Which I can't believe, by the way. Have you ever been out to, to dinner with somebody? This is a great quote by Brian Tracy. He says that you can tell a lot by somebody by how they treat the waiters and the busboys of the world. Mm. And yeah, that's true. It is true. I mean, it really it really shows somebody's true colors. You're sitting with somebody, and they're just rude to the waiter. And I'm going, that guy has your food. <laughs> no, what? in the back room where you can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Even if they're doing a terrible job, don't you just got to totally brown nose that thing? I mean, that is that is insane. Yeah. I mean, they've watched the movies. There's plenty of examples in the movies. Or talk to any teenager that works at a fast food restaurant. You got to be careful. It's probably not totally on par, but it's a couple steps down from giving your surgeon the bird right before the anesthesia <laughs> right. takes you under. You know, it's 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 a stupid idea. It's very dumb, very dumb. So we got to find a tangent sound effect for the show. Oh, that's true. So you we'll can just have it. We need like one of those boing type ones. That would be a good one. Yeah, I think kind of like a runaway train, you know, <laughs> or something like that, or a car crash. Yeah, yeah, just something that. It shows a, a total train wreck or a car wreck, which the show continues to be. So, well, that's good. I think we ought to talk about something valuable, don't you? Oh, yeah, let's do it. We've got good stuff. By listener demand, we've had a lot of feedback. Apparently, our show on the law of expectations a couple of weeks ago did not meet your expectations. Can you get a drum roll? <laughs> they wanted more with their expectations. <laughs> yes, you were expecting more, but we do have more, more that we need to talk about. It's just the blunder last week. The congressman, we had to do contrast. I've never seen somebody so blatantly and terribly use one of the laws of persuasion. So that's why we did our tangent, which was a whole episode, evidently. So we want to get back on law of expectations today. We've got a few studies to talk about to show you what this can do and then some application pointers for you before we wrap up. Kurt, what did we just miss so terribly? How did we violate our listeners' expectations? <laughs> Well, they want to know more about how to use expectations and where to see expectations. I mean, you can set expectations in every aspect of, of what you do. I mean, even with the office you bring someone to, the conference room, the car you drive, the famous San Francisco study where the light would turn from red to green and the car in front of you wouldn't go. In the first half of the study, it was just a junker of a car and everyone's all in milliseconds honking the horn. But when it was a Rolls Royce, a really nice car, people would wait a long time. That would adjust expectations. We have reputation expectations, environment expectations. Placebo is an expectation. I mean, placebos work almost 50% of the time. A lot of times they work more than the actual pill because that's how powerful our mind is adjusting with expectations. In fact, Harvard did a study with IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, and they gave people that had that a pill and it said on the pill placebo, right? They told people, this is a placebo, it will help you out, and it still worked. I mean, that's how powerful our brains are with placebos and expectations and our environment. You've got to be able to adjust those. In fact, there's a fascinating thing called priming, which 
is adjusting expectations. So they brought students in to work on these word puzzles. And half the students worked with words that were very polite, like respect, courteous, considerate, patient, polite, behaved. And the other group worked with words that were rude, obnoxious, aggressive, annoying, disturb, interrupt, impolite. And when they were finished, they had to go talk to the proctor, the person in charge. And when they went to find him or her, somebody was there that just didn't get it. Totally clueless, didn't understand, didn't understand what was going on. They just wanted to see how fast this person who just finished these word puzzles, half with the polite words, half with the rude words, how fast they would interrupt. And here's what's interesting. They were primed. Their expectations were adjusted. So the ones with the rude words interrupted in around five minutes. Now, the ones with the polite words, it was well over nine minutes Mm. just based on that. And that's all part of what's called priming. They did another one with students. They gave them this math test and made it really easy to cheat. But before they took the math test, they were asked a question about five books you read in high school and the other half were five books from the Bible. Okay, (laughs) so hello, the ones that recalled the five books from the Bible were less likely to cheat than the ones that recalled books from high school. Another interesting one, they had people estimate a math problem and they were given five seconds. They couldn't calculate, they had to estimate just with their brain real quick subconsciously. So the first half were giving the number eight times seven times six times five times four times three times two times one, right? And the other half were given the exact opposite, 1 times 2 times 3 times 4 times 5 times 6 times 7 times 8. Now, logically, we know that's going to be the exact same number, but again, this is not calculation. This is estimation in five seconds. And here's what's fascinating. The one with the 8 in front, which primed people, the average answer was 2,250. The one with the 1 in front, the average answer was 512 just by priming them with the number. And that's used in pricing all the time. Now, here's what's interesting. The actual answer is over Mm. 40,000. But that's here nor there as far as how that works. But priming people, setting their expectations, whether it be price or how long they're going to wait, adjusting their expectations, feeling a need to buy, feeling the need to run are all based on expectations. So what are some real-world techniques that we can implement? I know you've talked about priming. How does the average salesperson start to introduce that to manage those expectations? Well, we can add the law of contrast like we talked about last week. They go hand in hand really well. When you talk about the door in the face where you start really high when it's a time or pricing and then adjust it, that adjusts expectations. Another one with pricing would be we talked about odd prices, meaning ending in seven. And that's what they think about price when it ends in seven. It is more persuasive. It used to be nine. When it's an odd number instead of an even number, what I mean, 197,000 is more persuasive than 200,000 because you didn't pull it out of the air. So that's one way to use it. But you could even use it in pictures. I saw this when I brought my daughter, and we could use this as a blunder one of these days. She was approached in the mall by someone who says, are you a movie star? Do you want to be a movie star? You're beautiful. You're gorgeous. Do you want to be in a movie? Right? It was one of those casting agencies. And when you came to their shop, everything, they had social validation with videos, they had pictures of their stars, they had all these things adjusting the expectation that this person was going to be a movie star. And you can do that. And I don't know if you remember that one seminar we did with the cats. You remember that one? Does that ring a bell? The cats? Yeah. One of the things we do before the seminar to show people their nonverbal cues and how well they connect with people is we have asked the animal that best describes their personality and why, just for fun, right? Yeah, and they yeah. introduce themselves. In this one particular seminar, 
everyone was a lion or a cat or a tiger or a leopard. We're like, what is going on? That's never happened before. Mm -hmm. Everyone was from the cat family. And we realized later coming down the hallway. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every picture was a picture of some type of a cat. (laughs) (laughs) And that primed them. That adjusted their expectations. They didn't even know it. We didn't even know it at the time to choose the cat family. That's pretty amazing. I haven't thought about that in years. It could be the picture coming in, what people say, what you hear. A lot of things you can do can adjust those expectations. Right. I was at the grocery store on Saturday and went to go buy a bunch of groceries and bottled water. And I I remember getting this case of Arrowhead bottled water. And for whatever reason, I was actually paying attention. And on the packaging, it said a popular local favorite. (laughs) Now, Arrowhead is... It's a national water company. It exists, I think, almost everywhere. It's everywhere, in the Western yeah. United States. And I do think that their water isn't all sourced from one place. I think they get it from different places. It's like saying McDonald's is a local favorite, right? It's it's <laughs> not local. There's nothing local about it. There's but nothing I wonder, favorite about it either. Yeah. yeah it's it's <laughs> oh, the subconscious all the thing. McDonald's people. Right. Yeah, well, <laughs> they kind of deserve it, like the lawyers. Okay. Right? If McDonald's is your favorite. I don't think you're listening to this show. (laughs) Yeah. So that was a good example of expectations and kind of social validation, too, at the same time. Well, everybody likes it. It's a local favorite. And most people don't do what I do. Most people don't pay attention to those details, but it speaks to their subconscious mind like the the cat people. Exactly. And another thing supermarkets do really well, and I'm a sucker for this one, is I'm going to the store for ice cream, and it says limit four. I buy four. My wife says, why'd you buy four? I'm all limit four. Yeah, right? yeah. There's a scarcity element. There's an expectation that you should be buying more than one, and that's kind of using a multiple laws, and that is a home run because people will buy four because there's a limit of four. <laughs> right, right. I was painting a room at our house on Saturday, and my wife went out to run some errands. Hey, you want anything? And I'm painting, and I said, hey, I need a little kick. Get me a Mountain Dew while you're out. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I drink Mountain Dew sometimes. <laughs> and she came back with two big bottles of Mountain Dew. She says, well, I could get one for two or, or two for go. three. And <laughs> it's just implied that, well, two for three, most people are in here taking it. You're not stupid, are you? I mean, do the math. Right. That's right. Well, I saved 20 bucks. I'm like, you spent an extra 10 bucks to save, right? You're still yes. spending more, even though you've saved. That's the whole Costco secret. <laughs> <laughs> Costco, a very expensive place to save money. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, anything else you want to add on expectation so that we don't uh, violate the expectations of our listeners again? Well, the big one is also your reputation, what people say about you before you show up, what they're thinking about you before they show up, what they know about you, your company, your industry before you show up. You've got to manage those to where that could really hurt you. That's a 10, 20-yard penalty before you show up. If there's bad reputation or bad expectations, it could be based on your industry. Those type of things, you've got to manage those just based on that before you kick into your persuasive presentation. Good stuff. What do we want our people to be thinking about and feeling? And many times, too, I think it's pretty evident if you have an office, right? What is the decor? What is the feel? What is the theme of the office, right? I went into an office the other day. It reminded me of Dwight Schrute where one of the walls was black. (laughs) He paints the wall black. It was just weird. Now, if your office wall is black, sorry, but it just fell off, right? How do you want these people to act and respond? You have some control over that through the physical environment, the words that you choose, even these things, like I said, you know, a local favorite. What are these little phrases that you can build into the marketing 
that is going to prime that expectation a lot more. Little things like testimonials on the wall or social validation on the wall. That's why doctors put their degree on the wall. They don't talk about them. They're just there. Little subconscious things to give you credibility. And if they're expecting a huge boardroom with a view and you take them into a back closet with a card table, that will hurt the expectations and hurt your deal. On the opposite of that, too, if you can blow their mind, a couple of years ago, had an office uh, downtown on the 22nd floor, and we just got lucky with this thing. We had a conference room in the corner, and it overlooked practically the whole state. And if wow. we bring a client over, they'd come up, and they hey, they're feeling pretty swanky. They're up high. And we say, why don't you come over to the conference room? And the secretary would get them a soda, and they'd sit down in that conference room in the corner, and did they feel like a big shot, right? Mm-hmm. Looking out across the whole state, we come in. We could have been pitching a trailer park in Baghdad, and they would have bought, <laughs> right? Because it's, hey, they got this office. How can they be morons? Little did Absolutely. they know, right? Yeah. Works very, very well. Yep. Why don't we queue up the Blinja? Oh, Blinja Day. Go, Blinja. Don't, don't, don't. There's the Blinja, as you know, listeners. That's when we can't quite decide. We always welcome your feedback. We've got somebody who may or may not be a persuasion ninja or may or may not be a Homer Simpson with just the classic dough. We can't believe what they just did. So we've <laughs> called it a Blinja. Send us your feedback to MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Let us know what you think, if it's a Blinja or a Ninja. Kurt, this one's on you. Uh, I think it's your recent trip to Pittsburgh to see a boy band. I know you sneak away and like to do that by yourself. Oh, uh, yeah. Periodically. Thank you for that. So to remind the listeners, I took my daughter for Dad Points yeah, whatever. to the One Direction concert in Pittsburgh. I think just based on numbers, this is probably more of a ninja than a blunder. But to me, it was a blunder. But you look at the numbers and what they sold and the success that they're having, it's probably more of a ninja. But, man... They fleeced those <laughs> attendees of that concert buying T-shirts. Now, we know they probably made these T-shirts for a buck in China or someplace else. These are one, $2 T-shirts. They were selling them for 40 bucks. okay? And the lines were just huge. And, and the verbiage and the signage and the social validation was just intense. It was the official T-shirt. You could buy these probably off eBay for a couple bucks, but this was the official T-shirt. And I told my daughter, I said, look, you can get five of these online or more. But she's like, no, but they're not official. And you have to buy them at the concert. So you can tell people you got them at the concert. I'm like, five versus one. It, she would have nothing to do with it. I was not very persuasive that day. And, of course, they were going to run out. A couple of the versions were sold out. And they would put them in bags. And everybody see people carrying these bags and the emotions. And the concert was going to start. And they had to support their band. It was just nuts with emotion. There was no logic whatsoever to buy a t-shirt there for 40 bucks, but they went nuts. People sold out. I probably made more money with t-shirts than anything else. So that is my blinja. So for everyone, it was a ninja for them. They made the money for me. I was feeling fleeced to take advantage of, but it worked and they made a lot of money. Hey, I've got to throw my two cents in here. I think that this is the ninja because <laughs> we always talk about when you're negotiating or persuading, you have to take into account the long-term consequences. Are you going to see that person again? <laughs> and we're putting true. karma aside. <laughs> Not bringing into the equation doing the right thing here. They know when are you going to be at a One Direction concert again? Exactly. And these were carnival people they hired to sell T-shirts. So I know oh, I'm not going to see them again. And yeah. I was concerned to have anybody being alone with them, but that didn't happen. So that's why I was leaning more, based on numbers, leaning towards the ninja. I felt fleeced. I was kind of upset. 
that they would take advantage of all these girls. 40 bucks for a t-shirt. I mean, really. I guess movie theaters do it with their popcorn. That's a whole other reason. But we'll say ninja, so it's more of a ninja than a blunder. But still, there's a little bit there ethically mm-hmm. that uh, we can talk about. But they did it. They persuaded. And again, we'll never see him again. And they got our money. Hey, you get the carnies involved and things are serious. <laughs> carnies are closers. They're closers. They know what to do. They're on commission. I trademarked that carnies are closers. Don't try to use it, anybody. There we go. There's a book right there. Carnies are closers. <laughs> That's a, that is a great book. Yeah. You, yeah. Manipulative sales. Carnies are closers. <laughs> Good titles. Manipulative, yeah. That's a great subtitle. Manipulative selling. Yeah. <laughs> the opposite of what we teach here, but an interesting title nonetheless. It would sell like crazy. <laughs> It's kind of like those books, The Art of Seduction and Power that Robert Greene did. Just those titles. I mean, people, they, they can't resist buying that stuff. That's true. So Yeah. True. Well, that'll do it for today, folks. Thanks for listening to Episode 103 of Maximize Your Influence. As always, send us your feedback, your comments, your questions, your insults, your derogatory remarks to MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. And I'm going to continue to plug the favor that we need from you. We give you a free show, so we're going to hit you up every now and then for favors. One being, we need your reviews on iTunes, and we've had some people taking advantage of this. And you should, because it's an offer that you you can't refuse. It's not even Godfather-type offer. I mean, it really is a great (laughs) offer. So what we need you to do is log into iTunes, search the podcast, and leave us a review. Talk about how you like the show. Oh, it's so awesome. I learned this. Or, hey, it's terrible. I can't stand Steve. We'll take whatever, right? Then just send us an email to MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com and say, hey, I left a review. Feel free to go check. We're going to give you a subscription to University Persuasion and a free coaching session where you get to talk to us about your business, what's going on. There's no strings attached, no nonsense. We're going to give you our opinion as to where we think things stand and what you can do individually in your business. It's like we were doing a podcast just for you. So Exactly. Exactly. So go to leave us a review on iTunes. We would very much appreciate it. And we appreciate you listening to this episode. We'll catch you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Take care, persuade with power, and we'll see you next week.